So I had quite an exciting, oh, last 10 days or so. Uh, let me fill you in just a little bit. Last Wednesday and Thursday, I was able to sit in and have meetings. That doesn't sound really thrilling or exciting. I know that, but uh, I happened to be around the table with, with these people for two days. These people represent what's called multi-language productions, a department, a division of our, our world missions team uh, that we, we serve as part of our national association. And it was just exciting and just thrilling to hear from these people, some from Ecuador and some from connections with Africa, just all over the world, and to hear how, how the gospel message is going out. And they, they produce just what it says here, multi-language, uh, producing apps and, and video courses and and digital marketing and, and also printed materials for fi in 56 different languages. Uh, right now, they, are, they have 30 multiplication leaders, which are just or people in 30 different countries that are trying to start their own churches, and they're, they're looking to us to supply the awesome uh, materials of, of what the gospel, the good news of Jesus says. And so that's, that's been thrilling. We have over 3 million followers on Facebook through them now. They have, they have apps in, in various languages in, in English. You can look at this one up, Tell Network, or in Spanish, Academia Cristo, or in Tagalog, which is Philippi for the Philippines, or in Mandarin. I mean, it is just exciting. And then to sit there for two days and and one of our tasks for the next year is, okay, how are we going to have information that we can use for AI, uh, artificial intelligence, which is, you know, just uh, ma making the gospel go out further and further and further. And so that's one of the tasks that we came uh, with them. And, and then we had a great, this is a cookout, we had great brisket after, after our meeting. So that was, that's where that picture was taken from. But it was just great, great two days. And so that was Wednesday and Thursday. And then Friday, I hop in a car and I'm I drive one state over from Wisconsin, which is where this meeting was, to Minnesota, and I get to go to our, our College of Ministry, uh, Martin Luther College, which trains young men and women for full-time ministry, whether it's teachers in classrooms, pastors eventually, after they go to the seminary. And then in that afternoon, I was able to go into a, a service, they call it a call service or an assignment service, where they place all these teacher graduates into schools throughout the country. And just sitting there in a room uh, filled with over 1,000 people in a gymnasium and to hear the singing about, uh, you know, that, that we have the Savior uh, who's in control. I mean, this is, I am not adjusting the volume. This is the, this is the volume from that singing that day. So this is one of the songs that they would sing or we sang. sit in that crowd and to hear those trumpets and, and to be singing how, how you know, our, our triune God is in control. And then I look at things like that map that's on the, on the back bulletin board there, or here's the same thing, you know, to know that 10% of our offerings that we, we give as a congregation are used to try to fill in this map as we watch the gospel go to all corners of the world or, or even to, to know that in a month from now, uh, we will be dedicating a seminary in Vietnam, uh, you know, communist country, 
that is going to be training 120 young men to be pastors in that country, uh, serving 140,000 people, uh, that, that we have now opportunity to witness of the gospel. I mean, it is, it is just thrilling to be a part of that. Exciting, like I said, goosebumps, but not just goosebumps for me. That's, it also ought to give goosebumps to you. Because this isn't just my last 10 days. This isn't just me. This is, this is you. This is us. And by us, I don't just mean Light of the Valleys. By us, I don't just mean our national association, what we call Wells. But this is, this is the Christian church today at large. And sometimes I think we need to be reminded of that. We see the clouds all too often. We maybe say, woe is me, regarding the, the Christian, Christian churches. We see what we think is the, the de-Christianizing of our communities or, or of our country. And yet, our Savior assures us today that he is still in control. And that that gospel message of Jesus, of what he has done for his people, continues to, to march off the map. And, and that's really what he wants us to remember. That's what he wanted us to remember with the very last words that he spoke on this earth before he ascended into heaven. Did you hear what he said? Let's, let's look again at those words. Uh, these are the very last words that Jesus spoke. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Today, on this Ascension Weekend, let's just want to look a little bit more closely at this very last sentence uh, that Jesus spoke. Again, it, where, where he starts off here, he says, But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. You know, I don't want to steal all of Vicar's thunder when he's, he preaches next week on, on Pentecost. Another big, maybe unfamiliar holiday. But that's sometimes marked as the holiday of the Holy Spirit. And so we're not going to spend a whole lot of that. But, but let's just, why does Jesus speak these words here? Why is it important for us to know that we are, if we're a church today, that we be a spirit-led church? And the answer to that question, we really get some insight just the way that Jesus starts here, and he starts with that little word, but. Do you remember the conversation? Again, I, I read it earlier, but I don't necessarily expect you to remember things from one minute to the next. But what, what kicked him off to say that little word, but, is, is what his disciples asked him. They said, now? Now, Jesus? You know, now, now are you going to restore the, the kingdom here on earth? Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And, and, and you think about that. Here are disciples who, who walked around and heard Jesus preach for three years. Uh, they watched Jesus uh, defeat sin as he died on the cross. They watched him conquer death as he rose victorious from the grave, showed himself to be alive to them for the last 40 days. And they still don't completely get it. Now, Jesus, that they, they didn't quite grasp what Jesus had been up to for the last 33 years on earth. And quite honestly, neither would we. 
if it weren't for the Holy Spirit. If it weren't for the Holy Spirit, we would maybe see Jesus as nothing more than a teacher or a cultural influencer. If it weren't for the Holy Spirit, our idea of what church should be would be completely different. It'd be more about net income instead of net souls. It'd be more about programs instead of people. It'd be more about traditions instead of time in the Word. And yet, what does the Holy Spirit do? He opens our eyes. Just as he opened the eyes of the disciples, ten days later, this would come into fruition. As, as Jesus would say, hey, you guys stay here, and in ten days, or in a little bit, he didn't give them the exact time, but it was ten days later that the Holy Spirit would come, and he would open their eyes. And very clearly, then, they would be able to, to confess what you and I confess. You know, what does the Bible tell, tell us? It says, hey, unless it's by the Holy Spirit, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And it's with the Holy Spirit that you and I are able to boldly confess, I believe in Jesus Christ, as we do in the Apostles' Creed. It's, it's only by the Holy Spirit that we're able to, to be able to say, you know what, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. And he's still active. But not only does the Holy Spirit change the way that we approach Jesus, that we don't just see him as a teacher or cultural influencer, but as our Savior. Look at what else Jesus says here. He says, he says you will receive power. Receive power in the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't just change our approach to Jesus. It also changes the way that we can approach others with Jesus. And I think that's a, a wonderful reminder uh, for us as well. Because sometimes we maybe feel like we are super weak when we witness to somebody else. Or we feel all this pressure. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's all up to me to convince somebody else that Jesus is their Savior. Or it's all up to me to convert, you know, my unbelieving coworker. Or it's all up to me to convince my spouse why, why I want them to be here with me. Or it's all up to me to, to, to be a witness in the world and to, to help our congregation. Or to, to, That's not what Jesus says. He says, you are given the power of the Holy Spirit. I think of what, what Vicar preached on last week as we concluded our, first, our little series on First Peter, and it says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And, and that's, that's a great thing to say. It's, it's scriptural, right? But don't sell that short. I think sometimes even that, we put all these pressures on us, like, I have to have the right words. Yes, we have the right words. Here, with this book, God gives us what to say. But don't, don't feel like it's up to us to make this work. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. He provides the power. This is the fuel. The Holy Spirit's the match. And you think about how that applies uh, to us as a congregation. You know, within a month, we have one of our, I would call it one of our biggest outreach, if not our biggest outreach event for families as a congregation. 117 kids coming to a, a soccer camp. That's huge. I'm super nervous about it. 
I mean, A, you want the kids to have a good time. You don't want anybody to get hurt. You don't want anybody to get lost. Uh, you don't want, you know, you have all these things to make sure that everything matches. All the uniforms are the right sizes and blah, 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 blah. And yet what we don't have to worry about is whether or not that word will work from those devotions at the end of the day. We speak, but he makes, he provides the power. That those words don't fall on deaf ears. And so when you, when, you, when you put that into perspective, to know that the Holy Spirit provides the power, not only does that lead us to be and, and show us the importance of being a spirit-led church, that really leads us to want to be what I would call a risk-taking church. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus kind of introduces that idea when he, he let's look again at these words. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Uh, being a witness for Jesus by nature carries some risk. It did for the disciples. Right? As soon as they started to be a witness for Jesus, what happened? They were put on trial. Uh, they were tortured. Uh, they were exiled. Some of them were even executed because they were witnesses for Jesus. It wasn't the popular thing to do. Even the, the way that language works, uh, the New Testament where this is from was written in Greek, and it was, it's interesting that the word for witness is martyr. The Greek word is martyr. Someone who suffers for a cause. And, and so too, the, the disciples were, were willing, they, they were, as soon as they became witnesses, they their lives became at risk. And, and maybe you and I feel that way too. To be a witness is somewhat risky. Maybe we're not having, you know, torture chambers or executions uh, being carried out on us, but maybe, maybe it's not so much external threats, but it's internal threats that make witnessing risky for us. We maybe feel like, well, I might be embarrassed to talk about my faith. Or the fear of failure. If I'm not embarrassing myself, maybe I'm embarrassing my Savior. Maybe I don't know what to say. Or, or maybe, maybe, you know, if I witness to someone else and they, they pepper me with all these questions, maybe my faith is going, to, I'm going to have all these questions that I didn't have before. And so it's not even worth the risk. And so we, we fail at times to witness because of that fear of failure. But just as risky, I guess I would say, as the fear of failure, sometimes the fear of success. What happens if this gospel actually works? And witnessing actually takes me places that I don't feel comfortable. You know, I, I often think of a, some of you have maybe heard that story, Alexander the Great, this great conqueror and in, in history, 300 years before Jesus, the Greek Empire, marching across all of Europe, marching across most of Asia Minor and Northern Africa, just extending his empire. And his soldiers marched all the way to the Himalayan mountains. And that was the end of the map <laughs> at that time. And they're, they're super nervous. They're like, oh, we, we should go back. Uh, we should go back to the place that we know we're comfortable and I wonder if we take that same approach sometimes when it comes to the gospel. I'm, I'm very comfortable 
All of a sudden, if we witness, now we, we get into situations that are off of our maps. Now we find ourselves investing lots of time, and, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting to, to have these lengthy conversations at times with, with people about their, their Savior. Or you think about even the risks that, that maybe we would see here in a congregation as we continue to witness to a community. That, that means if, if we all witness and all of a sudden we grow, what happens? My voice becomes proportionately less. Now instead of one of 50, now I'm one of 100. You know, my voice only carries half the strength that it used to. Or if we grow that we, we, have, we, we make this risk, like do we rent a bigger place? Do we, do we purchase another place? I mean, that's risky as a congregation. And there's, there's a whole bunch of risks that come when we get out of our comfort zone or as God blesses the success, if you want to use that word, success of the gospel. But look at how God does bless people who take risks. You look at the way that the church started. You know, Peter, it took a lot of risk 10 days after ascension to stand up in front of a crowd and to preach that, hey, you guys crucified this, name, this guy named Jesus. And yet he rose from the dead and, and the people were cut to the heart in 3,000. 3,000 were added to the number that day. Or I think even locally. Five years ago, our brothers and sisters in the area took a risk in starting this place, investing thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours. And yet you would say, well, has the Lord blessed that risk? You know, numerically, it's not 3,000, but numerically, if I look at how many people called our three churches home five years ago to, to compared to today, 413 to 445. And and you would say, well, that doesn't sound like a whole lot. That's an 8% return on investment. You know, we talk about the risks of the stock market. If you could get guaranteed 8% return on investment, you'd take it, right? Well, look at how God is blessing it. Plus, there's COVID in between there. God blesses. Again, it's not all about numbers, but God blesses risk-taking people for the sake of the gospel. Or it was four years ago that on Ascension that 29 people, some of you are still here today, 29 people said, you know what, I'll take a risk. I'll, I'll let this place be where, where I put my faith, or where I, not where I put my faith, but where I, I'll let this place be what oversees my spiritual care. That number has grown from 29 to 79. God bless us. That we can be not just a spirit-led church, but because we're a spirit-led church, because we're spirit-led people, we can be risk-taking people. And as we're risk-taking people, you get God's promise that you'll not only be a risk-taking church, but more importantly, you'll be a, a reproducing church. And you see that. You see that so quickly after Jesus gives his disciples, hey, take this risk. You be my witness. I just talked about Pentecost. And I said, yeah, 3,000 people uh, from, from, uh, that were added to that number, but those people were from all over the world. And that, that really brings to home Jesus' promise right away. And or, you know, I, I think going back to that Alexander the Great illustration, so when his soldiers, his frontline troops came back, they said, oh, Alex, we're, we're off the map. Let's, let's be comfortable here. 
You know what he told them? He said, he said this. He said, mediocre armies. Mediocre armies always stay within the known area. But the great armies always march off the map. 300 years later, a conqueror much bigger than Alexander the Great, the one who conquered sin, the one who conquered death, also said, you'll march off the map. That, that you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, which was their city, and Judea, which was their state, and Samaria, which was their neighboring state, and to the ends of the earth. And sure enough, on that Pentecost, in Jerusalem, there were people from Arabia and Africa and Italy and Greece. But it didn't stop there. It continues to go here. When Jesus spoke these words on ascension, Reno, Nevada was not on the map. And yet the gospel, the gospel marched off that map and made its, all, all, it made its way all the way here. You're the ends of the earth. And, and because that early Christian church was a spirit-led church, and because it was a risk-taking church, it became a reproducing church so that you know what your Savior did for you. And don't think it stops here. When a mom sings, I, I, uh, I am Jesus' little lamb, to her little one. What's happening? The church is reproducing. When, you know, when, when, when so many things happen, when, when, we, when we tell our neighbors, when, when a pastor announces, like I did earlier in the service, that, that by the authority of Jesus you are forgiven, what happens? Christ increases his reign as he rules in our hearts. When a grandfather witnesses to his grandkids from his deathbed, hey, I'm going home. It's not just, Jesus doesn't just extend his arms and hands to welcome, welcome that grandfather into the, one of the many rooms that he has prepared for him. That ascended Lord is also is, is extending his hand into those, those grandchildren's hearts with the witness of the gospel. So let's not ever keep our heads down and bemoaning the fact that, oh, maybe the faith isn't going out. It is. The good news of Jesus continues to march throughout the world, and it will continue to march until Jesus comes back when he takes us off of this map into the beautiful, beautiful mansions that he has prepared for you and so may we continue to walk together not just hand in hand or or stride for stride with each other but with that assurance that we are walking with our savior as he watches over us and rules all things for the benefit of you amen uh, why don't we stand now and we'll join our hearts in